Last week we jumped into the end of chapter 4. Jesus had uh, gone through his baptism, gone through the temptation in the wilderness, and John has been in prison and he begins his ministry by letting everyone know, just as John had been preaching, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Matthew talks about the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9 was being fulfilled, that the light was coming into the darkness. And that light shows us our need for repenting, our need for the kingdom, and our response that Matthew is hoping for is like that of the first disciples to see Jesus, the goodness of who Jesus is, and follow. And so we see Jesus begins his ministry, and it talks about him doing three specific things preaching the good news, healing everything every disease and sickness among the people and teaching about what it means to follow him. And so we get to the end of chapter four and it says that large crowds follow him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And so that brings us to the beginning of chapter five. And it says that when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he began to teach them. And so for Matthew, mountains are important to his story. We have been on the mountain in the previous chapter during the midst of the temptation. The devil takes Jesus up to a mountain and shows him the kingdoms of the world. Gives him the opportunity to shortcut the plan. Jesus now comes to the mountain where Matthew is drawing a parallel that he has been showing through these first few chapters. The beginning of his story between Jesus and Moses. Jesus has had his birth foretold. He has, as an infant, been in a place where the babies of his area were all slaughtered. He was saved miraculously and went to Egypt. He's come out of Egypt He's gone through the wilderness and passed the tests. He's come through the Jordan and he is telling people that the kingdom of God is near. That the true promised land of heaven and earth coming back together is near. And it's possible by following him to enter into that kingdom. And so just as Moses meets God on Mount Sinai to give people what it means to follow God now that he has brought them out of slavery, Jesus comes to the mountain 
to explain what it means to live and walk and be in the kingdom of heaven. And we see that he sits down and his disciples come to him. If you, if you think back to the, the story in Exodus, right, God calls all the people to the mountain. But his, his presence, right, is, is thunder and fire and cloud. And everyone is scared. And they're like, Moses, just, just take care of everything for us. You talk with God and we'll like hang back and just let us know what he says. There, there, there was a fear about approaching God. And in, in this context, right, especially as we, as we look back to the verses that we talked about last week, who are these crowds made up of? The poor, the destitute, the broken, the diseased, the, the demon-possessed, people from all around that are like, you know what? I see what's going on in the world, and it's not working for me. I see the the political system of Rome that is promising peace for everyone by conquering everyone and subsuming them under this empire, and that does nothing for me. I see how the the people that become the, the... Involved in the political system and the, the tax collectors, they can make it good, but they're profiting off everyone else, and there's no hope for these economically disadvantaged people. Right? And here are all these people, like they, they don't have any kind of modern medicine, and they've heard of this guy who can actually heal diseases. This is this is something completely different. There maybe is hope for situations that would wreck not just your life, but the generations of your family afterwards as you end up selling your property or your home or your, your land and not be able to get that back and have no way to provide for your children and children's children beyond them. These are the people that are following him. And so he sits down and his disciples come to him because they have seen that something different is going on. They have seen through the preaching, the teaching, the healing, that something different is happening. When Jesus called his disciples, when Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John, it was, Matthew says, it was immediate that they followed him. They could see that this is somebody who should have real authority in our lives. This is somebody worth following, worth learning from worth sitting at his feet. And though if you, if you look further on in, in Matthew's account of the gospel, Jesus does not call the, what we think of as the 12 disciples until chapter 10. At this point in the story, Matthew isn't actually a disciple yet. 
So when Jesus, when, uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples here, it's, it's more than just the 12 because the 12 don't exist. It's those who are following him because that's what it means to be a disciple. And in that sense, for, for those of us who are curious, are those, are, for those of us that have made the decision, for those of us that are wondering what it would be like, Matthew includes us as his readers. Hey, if you have been thinking, man, repent for the kingdom is near. Follow me. Maybe those are calls that I should listen to. Then Matthew is inviting us to come, to sit, to listen, to learn. And as as we'll see at the, the end of the sermon, Jesus finishes by telling people that whatever you hear, you ought to be doing. And, and I, have to, I have to admit that knowing the likely makeup of the crowd, that these are the people that are not economically or politically or socially advantaged for the most part. For him to hear is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what it means to live as my subject, as the king of the heavens. For him to go through all of these different aspects and say, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to live. This is what it looks like. I wonder. Because we have been through a season as a world, as a city, as a church, where we can identify with people that are looking, longing, hoping for something more, something better, something new. And and you might think, man, shouldn't this sermon be more... more comforting or more compassionate in the way that I might think about having compassion. And and we know that Jesus looks out on the crowds throughout his ministry and what marks how he sees that. Compassion. He knows. He is human. He knows what our frailty and weakness and All of that is. And those are the people that he's speaking to. People just like us. And so these are the words that he gives them. This is 
the key from Matthew's point of view to everything else. If you want to know what the good news of the kingdom is, it begins here. All the things that you might wonder, what does it look like to live it out? Jesus says, this is how you live it out, and you can live it out. You can walk with me. You can follow me in your everyday circumstances, in all of those situations around you that may be bringing you to the point of recognizing that you need me. And so today to finish, we're going to read, listen to what Jesus says, to hear it as a whole, to hear the echoes from the beginning through the middle and the way that he weaves things together. And as we go through, think about all of the echoes that you may hear from the sermon. We'll talk about as we go through our study of the way that Paul or James or John or the other authors of the New Testament, the disciples and followers of Jesus hone in and recognize the importance of what Jesus describes and calls his followers to here in the sermon. So as we listen... We have come to the mountain to hear from Jesus. We have come to him to hear the good news of the kingdom. We have come to him as those who are tired, discouraged, worn out. We haven't been able to find help or hope anywhere else. And these are the words that Matthew says that Jesus would give to us as well. As those who have seen the coming of the light and want to respond and want to follow and ask, what would that look like? And so we come to the mountain Jesus has sat down and we come to him and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you? Leave your gift there, in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife 
except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like that, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, 
your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will we not much more clothe you? You of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your, their feet 
turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask you? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. We'll have the opportunity in the coming weeks to
think and wrestle with those things that we have read that may bring us questions, that may cause us to ask, Jesus, why would you want me to do that? That doesn't sound like something I want to do. To say, Jesus, how how could you say that this is what it looks like to be a subject of your kingdom? Jesus, how do I even do this? Jesus, all the messages I'm getting around are telling me to do the opposite of what you're telling me to do in this sermon, in this passage, in this sentence, whatever it may be. But Matthew is someone that has followed Jesus, who saw the goodness of Jesus, who saw, as we talked about from the parables later in Matthew chapter 13, that the kingdom of heaven is the pearl of great price, that it's the treasure in the field, that Jesus is worth following, that seeking first the kingdom of heaven is worth doing, that seeking to be someone who is part of God's will being done in, on earth as it is in heaven is worth doing. He is someone that has followed Jesus closely, who has wrestled with these questions together with other disciples, who was given the task of practicing and teaching just as Jesus talked about in this sermon. And he says, for people that want to follow just like I did, this is what Jesus would want you to know. This is what Jesus would say to you. When you come saying, man, I have tried doing my own thing, letting my will be done on earth. Struggling with all the other people that are trying to make their will be done on earth. And nothing's working. This is how Jesus would encourage you to follow, to walk, to live. This is how he would encourage me. As I come to him in my tiredness or frustration or confusion, or even when I come feeling ready and that I've made the call and that I'm immediately ready to follow like the disciples at the end of chapter 4, in all of those situations... Matthew says this is the key to understanding what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of heaven is near and that it's for you. This is what it means.
And so my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we have an opportunity together in the coming weeks, months, whatever it takes to wrestle with what Jesus is asking of us to figure out how not to just be those people that hear what Jesus says, but to figure out what does it look like to practice these things. What does it look like to be people that build something on the rock and not the sand? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. God, in all of those things where we are tempted to ask about all of the things of tomorrow, provide for us today. Be with us today. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. we pray that you would be help that you would help us to be people that through your spirit wrestle with our anger our hurt our temptations and desires to care about earthly things more than we care about the people that you have made. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, your light through Jesus has shined. It's shining in the darkness, and that does not mean for us that the darkness is still not present or at our door. We pray for your presence. We pray for you to guide us, to keep us with you, to keep us from evil, and deliver us when temptation comes. We pray that we would be people that become like Jesus, that learn how to follow Jesus, that learn how to be your people together. We thank you that just as you gave these words to people that didn't have it all together, God, that you have given these words to us, also people that don't have it all together. 
Help us see how these words are good for us. How they bring your kingdom in our lives and in the lives of those around us. God, we pray that we would sense your presence and that we would walk in your way. God, be with us to carry us when we find that heart. Amen.